Welcome to this week's edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. As usual, I'm Andy Kiri Kitties, joined with my, by my co-host Keith Glasser. Coach, how we doing? Great. How are you? I'm excited. We doing got good. A, a special <laughs> special guest on this this uh, this episode. So, Keith, I'm going to pass it over to you to to introduce our our next guest on the podcast. Great. Tonight, um, this is probably the most excited I've been for our our guest, and we've had a lot of good ones. Um, but tonight we have, um, one of my mentors, one of the guys who, um, you know, has really taught me how to be a, a better coach, a better person. And, um, you know, who I really look up to in this game, you know, a, a lot of, I've said it on here before, and I say it lovingly that I worked for, um, a handful of dinosaurs in my career who have forgotten more than I know. Um, and tonight we're, we're blessed enough to have coach Rossi, um, with us here who I, I believe, or was it 53 you just retired in 54. 54. Well, 54 in baseball, 57 at the school, though. 54 years in college baseball and 57 years at Siena College. Um, and tonight we he's joining us to uh to sit here and talk recruiting and talk baseball. And coach, I, I couldn't be happier um to have you on here and, and thanks for joining us tonight. I'm glad to be here, although if I'm a dinosaur, I'm probably a stink, so maybe I'm not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> well. I say it lovingly, right? Like, I mean, I know, I know. I was with you, know you. I was with you from 2009 to 2011. So, I mean, that was years. We were in the 40s at that point in time, right? Right? Yeah, no, great. You did a great job too. Well, well, I would love to have you back. <laughs> well, hey, I'm available <laughs> nowadays. I'm more than happy to be back. <laughs> Righty. Um, but if you could, just in a, a, a as a, you know as succinct as you possibly can, just give us a, a little bit of a, a background on, on your career um, that kind of led us to, to having you on tonight and talking and recruiting in baseball. Well, obviously it's all baseball. I mean, you know, just like everybody else, it's in the game at this particular number of years or close to it, not this number of years, but close to it. Uh, you got to have love for the game. It's number one, started early, started when you're a kid, keep playing as much ball as you could, could as, a as a kid. I mean, I've played so many leagues. Uh, I even formed a couple leagues as I was growing up and uh, kept playing. And then uh, obviously went on to high school, went on to college, got out of college and, um, you know, played some summer ball uh, with real older people, which I always did play, always played up. And uh, from that point on, a job opened up in the summer, in the summer, uh, adult league team, older, uh, good, good league. Started with that and was a school teacher. And that was my first year. And uh, as a school teacher, I had a, a friend of mine who was also a science teacher in there. And he had problems in December of uh, my first year there. And, uh, you know, uh, came into our our room, teacher's room and said, hey, you know anything about lacrosse? And I said, yeah, my roommate was a lacrosse player. I went to a lot of lacrosse games, you know, as a young guy. I didn't know what he was coming at next. And then, then he says, that's good enough. I said, good enough for what? And he says, hey, that's good enough. You're going to coach my uh, JV team. I said, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I said, I, I, I got it bad. I can go with a bat, but I can't go with a thing with a net on it. And uh, he says, I don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You won't have many pe people just study up on it. To make a long story short, 
stayed three years as the JV coach. Uh, Gene Coleman was the basketball coach. He was the athletic director, and he also was the baseball coach. I saw, you know, the reason why I went to Siena with the lacrosse, I thought sooner or later the basketball coach AD was going to give up the baseball, and he did ask me if I wanted to coach, and that's when I started. And I don't know, it was 19. 19- I don't know, 68, maybe 67, I think. 66, I think it was the fall of 66, 1966. And I went from there, you know, uh, you know, started coaching and that didn't stop, kept going. But then again, it's all about the love. So that's a, in a nutshell how I started, progressed in the game and stayed with it all the way again because. As I said, uh, you know, we've talked about it in the past. Love the game. Love coaching college kids. They're, they're in it. They want to work hard. They want to get to the next level, which is fine, which helps us up, you know, in our program as well. Most college coaches are the same way in the country you know, with their kids. They want to get to the next level. So they work hard. So it was a lot of fun. That's amazing. 1968. I think my dad was born in 1968. Maybe a little bit younger. I don't know. But I digress for a second. What I, I, I'm going to ask you this only because you you said it in your intro, and it's something that we've talked about on here, um, and it, I think it pertains a lot to maybe the rule change that currently just happened with Division One, um, but also I think it's an, a, a question that we get quite frequently that parents think about. But you, like you specifically mentioned that you played up, you always played up, right? Like what? What benefit do you think that has like in the recruiting process for coaches and for kids and families going through the process of playing like so versus, you know, like instead of if you're that younger 25, if you played with 26s this year and 20 instead of 25s, like you kind of missed out on a little bit of recruiting. But what else do you think that helps with for kids in the process? Well, when I say played up, I I played up because I always played against better uh, older guys as a player. And obviously was good enough to play with them. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been kept on a team in the summers. Um, but, you know, and as far as re- what I did at, in Siena, our schedule was always up. I mean, we always played the best we could play. And that's for the benefit of the kids to see the, the, what they have to do to get to that next level, the talent that's out there. Because I don't think a lot of kids know in high school. I'm pretty sure they don't know. I mean, they're traveling the country now, but they don't really know when they get to the college what, what the uh, clubs are like. You know, go and play the University of Florida. I mean, that's like playing a double-A ball club. So when they see that, they say, okay, you know, this is this is what I got to do. I got to work really hard to get to this level, to get to that talent level, which they may never do. But, you know, and the fact of the matter is they may not have to get to that. Hence, the guy that we got the Detroit Tigers right now, Brandon White, self-made pitcher. He's in the big leagues right now, um, you know, and he would have never probably made the University of Florida's baseball team. But the fact of the matter is when he did pitch against them, he did very well, and we played them, so that helped him. So that that helps in the process. You're playing against a good club, which is going to be scouted a lot, and a lot of major league scouts are, and they see you as well as the uh, other team. I mean, so that's what that's what I always did as far as our scheduling is concerned. And I think that's very beneficial. And the same thing with guys in the summer when they're playing summer ball, you know, try to get to a situation where they're playing the best against the best talent that they can play. You know, that's 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 how you make yourself better, playing against the best, you know, uh, versus just going into a league that, you know, you could probably dominate in and with a little effort that doesn't help you individually. You need to be challenged all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one thing that <clears> – <throat> we run into in this. And I think, you know, we have, we've all run into it with coaches is you get that kid that 
you know, kind of lights up the, you know, a lesser league and it, it leaves questions in your mind as to whether or not he's going to be able to handle what is going to be thrown at him when he gets to college. Um, you know, and on the, on the other point, and I want to kind of go into this a little bit more with you because you've seen a lot of baseball, um, along with, you know, Andy and I, but, um, you know, I think the thing that we try to impress upon a lot of people who are going through this process. And if you're going to end up in college is that you're going to get your butt kicked on a college baseball team, especially when you're younger as like a freshman, right? Like you haven't played at that level yet. So going into college, like what, what, what are some of the guy and like, I mean, off the top of my head, I know some of them like Peo and, you know, Kevin Caranto is a little bit of a different animal, but you've seen a lot more players that have that found success when they were super young at the division one level. Like what traits do those guys have that stand out amongst like the other freshmen that, you know, maybe end up having really good careers, but they're not really good the time they set foot on campus all the way through. Well, I think you're always trying to project at our level anyway, you're trying to project because we're not going to go out there and, and bang heads with the, the power of five, maybe now power four, four conferences and try to get talent with them because a kid's going to go there no matter what. And we're going to get the kid that's not as talented, but talented. Right. So the fact of the matter is, is what you try to do is get that kid to come to your school uh, in whichever ways that you're recruiting, how you have it laid out to get them and hopefully get them on you uh, to the fact that where they can play right away and not be, you know, uh, sitting the bench. I mean, I know right now our, our new head coaches you know, he's got a couple of transfers coming in and he's got one coming in that spent two years at wake forest and has not played it pitched an inning there so he's really never you know progressed so i think he overshot it a little bit he should have never have gone there so he needs somebody to advise him to get you know that that wasn't a good choice uh but you know as a kid you're looking for all those big schools that that's where you want to go uh so i mean you know kids are kids are kids and they need direction. And a lot of times the parents can't give them direction. So you need guys like you and other people to get them going in the right direction uh, to, at their level, um, you know, because they don't want to overshoot because they're not going to play the game that they want to play. And that's why they went to the college in the first place. Yeah, that, yeah I think the, the podium time piece is it's a hard thing to to impress upon people, the opportunity. And it was it was something that I saw at William and Mary, and I think you hit on it that if you get a chance to play early and you can find a place where you get a chance to compete, you can figure out how good you can be because uh, you get those reps. But if you don't get those game reps and they obviously need to be earned, it can set you back. And, you know, finding that place where it's the right balance of this is really good baseball and I need to be talented to play here. But it's also a place that I'm going to have an opportunity to figure out how good I can be. I mean, I think you. I've watched plenty of guys from Siena do exactly that, where they play as a freshman. Two years later, you look up and they're getting their name called in the in the major league draft, and you know you wonder if they had gone somewhere else, hadn't had quite the same opportunity. Do they develop the way that they did? Yeah, the tough part is I'm I'm probably I don't know maybe a lot different than a lot of coaches in the country. I assume, and this is from when I even started. 
when I get a uh, you know a lineup, I, first of all, I'll use everybody on my on the squad. But to, to pick a beginning lineup, you know, I will take a kid and put him in a lineup, and I'll let as a freshman, and that's a key too, because a lot of a lot of universities and colleges do not play freshmen. They don't want to play them because they think they're too young, and they want them to develop. And I know how they develop on a bench, but I I prefer my guys to develop on the field, and I will go with them and stick with them. So I mean, I've had many guys that have you know gone very done very poorly their first year but i stuck with them and then the next year they'll get better now if i pulled them out and didn't play them as much it's going to take a while for them to come back i'm a little different i think i i went with a lot of pitchers longer uh guys hitting longer i stuck with them a lot longer and that you got to find that coach and that program that'll do that and i don't i don't know how you do that that's that's your job your guy's job but you know that that's the way i always went at it with with my kids if i felt i like somebody like a, a danny you know, a payout, and obviously started right off the off the bat getting. But if he didn't and showed me that he could do something, I saw his skills. You know, his quick bat, his strength, et cetera, et cetera, hand eye coordination, whatever. And I would stick with him. You know, and I would stick with him, and eventually he'll get better. You know, as long as he keeps playing. The problem is you got to keep playing. A lot of kids go into programs where they don't play and they don't play very much. And uh, it's unfortunate, but that, again, that's where they have to decide on getting some people, again, like you guys, yourselves, use you guys and, and other people to help them looking at their talent and see if this school is a right fit for them. And the other thing is they got to be careful with coaches too, because co- coaches will always like recruiting mass kind of thing and, and say, hey, you come to me, you're going to start. Well, they can't do that because there could be a walk-on that's better than you that they didn't even know about coming on. So promises are not good either. They just got to get somebody that, that's really honest with you, coaches, and they got to dig those out. And you guys, again, can help them with that too. We certainly try. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough uh, – recruiting – or uh, well, I say recruiting. Recruiting for a college is very difficult, um, you know, and I I this day and age with the, with the summer ball, guys going over the country – uh, I, I think a lot of kids hurt themselves by doing that. Uh, I think they should focus on schools that are in their a- academic uh, profile. And uh, from there, distance-wise and so forth, financially, and then get some schools and go to the schools camps. Not so much going to these big showcase. Go to the schools camps and get in a program where if you're a Northeastern, for example, player, and you want to stay in the Northeast, then you want to play in the Northeast in your summers. You don't want to travel to Oklahoma, to Florida, to whatever. Yeah, that's nice, well and good, but that's not going to help you because there's going to be so many teams at these places and so many coaches that can't see you. So you're, you're yeah, you're, you're going, you're playing, but you're wasting a little money as far as, you know, trying to get yourself a nice situation in a nice college. Uh, that's my thing. That's all I always tell people. Try to try to go to the campus, go to their own camps, um, stay in that area uh, program wise. I mean, I've had kids from our area that have wanted to go in the south and they played in Georgia. They played on some of those teams down in Georgia, stayed there the whole summer because that's where they wanted to go. That's OK if that's where you want to do. But try to, to go stay in a, play in the Northeast, and you know you're never playing in the Northeast in the summer. You're going all over, so all the Northeast college coaches are not seeing you. Okay, so that's important. I I really believe it's important. And but you know it's tough when you got the power fives, power four saying, "Hey, come on, come on, come on, come to our camp, come to our camp." It's tough to say no. But you know if you wanna if you wanna save some money, say no. (laughs) Obviously, there's a certain amount of talent that's needed to play at the level that you coached at. But I'd be more curious to hear from you some of the things you keyed on that weren't necessarily talent based 
when you were evaluating a player and things that that got you fired up about a guy and then things that might turn you off on a player when when you got a chance to sit down and watch him play a couple games this is this is the hardest thing well, for us to like put our finger on for everybody because it is such an important piece once you figure out a guy's good enough what are those other things that you you really honed in on well coach glasser knows I'm, i guess i guess the word is old school i don't know but i'm i'm looking for somebody that hustles all the time that's on time that's on time and when on time it's not being on time if we start practicing at 3 on time is being there by 3:30 or 2:30 2:45 that's being on time somebody that's there early somebody that uh, does the extra things uh you know, uh, in the in the recruiting process, I'll look at kids on the field. I'll watch the way they they you know they handle themselves with their teammates, their coach, and the umpires. Definitely the umpires. Uh, and you know, with, with that, that that's something that's big with me. Uh, you know, I, I coach knows I'm not a screamer with the umpires. I'm 54 years and I've only been tossed like six times. And that's you know, so you know, the fact of the matter is. Um, you know, I, I believe in kids got to, you know, help the umpires. There's a way that you can maneuver umpires to help you, but, and that's to be taught. Uh, but I want kids hustling, kids showing positive, being aggressive, uh, you know, having poise out there. You know, you're on the mound, poise, bad calls, relax, don't worry about it. It's a game. It's going to come back to you. Uh, nobody's trying to hurt you. Have poise. And uh, people make mistakes. Umpires make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes. You know, make mistakes with people going in and out of the out of the lineup, pinch hitting, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm looking for these guys that are, uh, you know, obviously love the game, which I, I can see the way they approach their positions and so forth, hustling in and out, um, you know, uh, being aggressive, uh, never taking a uh, an at bat off, not taking a pitch off, um, and being positive, um, not not being a self. I'm I'm into not. I hate to say this because this is prevalent today. I'm not a self promoter. Don't be a self promoter. Don't be. You know, I just got a double. I'm jumping up and down on second base and doing all kinds of gyrations and flips, and I'm only hitting a buck and a half. Not good. Not good. You're showing people that you know that you're not really a good hitter. Is what it is. So I'm not a self promoter. I, I I don't like that. It's it's prevalent today. I don't think you can take it away. Uh, but that's what we have. That's what I look for. I mean, there are there are kids that are like that 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 want to play and don't do that stuff. I mean, we had a couple on our team this past year that pretty much played a game hard and, you know, here I am, I'll lay it out for you and that's it. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, kids don't know that when coaches are watching them, they're doing the things you just asked me to give you uh, and every coach is different in what they want. I do know they probably want kids that hustle. They do want, want kids that are into it, show that they're in a positive, uh, no negative, not arguing with umpires, not arguing with their coaches, uh, being under control. Uh, because you don't know, because coach will tell you, I never wore Sienna guard when I was recruiting. I didn't wear anything Sienna. So they didn't know I was a coach. So I'm just like a regular person. I go to a game. I've been to games in, in our area uh, where I was the only one there first, sitting down in my lawn chair watching pregame, and guys don't know who I am because I don't have anything Sienna on. And I do that on purpose because I want to see them the way they really are because sometimes it's what I call fake hustle and a fake profile. So I think the other thing, no, you're, 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 you're dead on. And I I think that like, there are a lot of those things are saying, I mean, I got them from you obviously, but there are a lot of the things that I valued too. And there's, 
you can learn a lot from from valuing those things about kids. And we've talked about this on here before, too, is that I think, um, you know, like when you talk about poise, like you can learn more about a kid when he might not be that great on the mound or he may have, you know, he went over four with four line drives that just, you know, line drives at everyone that got caught, but he hustled, you know, every at bat was the same versus a kid that, you know, is four for four and, you know, does create a, a little bit more look at me and the kid who, you know, melts down when he's just getting lashed. You know, sometimes you can look at that kid that gets lashed and you know, it's good. Yeah. He had a bad day, but if he has the poise and the, the wherewithal to be like, Hey, I'm whatever, like turn the page, I'm on to the next guy. Like you can learn more about that kid in those settings than, you know, when everything's just going great for everybody, which is never going to happen in this game. Um, you know, but I, I just think that, you know, in some of those things, it's, they're, they're, they're easy things that also show you how much they actually want to play this game and how much they actually love it. Right. Like yeah, one of the things kids can do too is which, which helps them out in, in the process, I think is, is go watch a games that the schools are playing in that they're interested in whatever schools they are or or you can actually see them online and look at the coaching staff see the way they act see where the coaching staff acts because usually what happens whatever the way the coaching staff acts that's the way the players act okay so see watch the coaches see if they're under control see if they're you know if this is what you want anyway see if they know what it seems like they know what they're doing uh, because they don't know you're watching all right you know watch the coaching staffs and uh and see how the players react to them watch what the players are doing then you'll see what's going on as far as the uh you know the you know, the, treatment, the way the kids are acting and the coaches are acting you know the culture of, of the program so i mean uh, I, I i think that's important there's a lot of times kids come to our game and they tell me they can't i don't even know because i'm so locked in i don't know what <laughs> my wife will yell for me from the stands i can't hear her, and she's about 30 feet away because i'm so locked my mind into the game uh but i think that's important going and seeing uh, so that when you make a decision, if you if you don't mind getting yelled at every two seconds, then that's okay. But if you do, maybe that's not a good choice. Okay, is there organization? You know, you can go to a, you know I think you can visit a school and go to a practice and see. Like I always give out uh, our practice plans because they're all written up. Uh, we share the practice plans with the kids. We post them. You know, and if there's a recruit coming in, I'll take that plan and with a roster and give it to the kid if they're sitting in the bleachers and point things out to them so that they can see how we run our practices. Is this is the program organized? Kind of important because organization will help you grow. All right. And also you got to know as a as a player when you get to that school that you can't really rely on practices as the end all. You're gonna have to do other work uh on, on your own time. Because if you got 20 guys hitting and you're taking batting practice every day, that's only one part of your practice, that's not enough. It's not enough. Uh so you know, it's it's all it's all up to you as a as a player. Uh, once you get to the place to make yourself better, the coaching staff. Hopefully, he's got a good schedule for you. Hopefully, they're good uh, good people, good communicators. You know, will work with you. That's the other thing. Will they work one on one with you? You know, taking a visit to the school, you talk to the players. Players are key. They have to you know talk to the players. Say, hey, how do you like it here? How do you like the school? How's the school? You know, you get along, everybody get along, there's things to do. You know, uh, for me, for, I went to college, it didn't matter because that's one of my things to do is play baseball or whenever I could or watch baseball. And that's the other thing. Kids don't watch baseball enough today. It's too bad because that's when I was brought up. That's what we did. We watched it all the time. Uh, but, you know, talk, talk to the kids on the team, ask them, 
specific questions. Get lists. You go visit the school, get a list of questions and bring them with you that are important to you to ask the head coach. And that's the other thing. I tried to meet with probably, I think I've met with like 98% of the kids that have come to see me personally. Uh, you know, with the, with the assistants. Uh, so if you're going to go to school and you're going to meet with the assistant and that's it, and that's not a good sign, I don't think. Okay, so you want to meet with the, with the head coach as well because you might have specific questions for him which will make your decision one way or the other. And obviously the pre- prelude to that is to do the things necessary prior to typically in your school. You know, academics is so important. You know, and obviously finances, especially in the climate today, you know, schools are expensive. I think some schools are eighty thousand dollars. I mean, eighty thousand dollars. I could have gone to school twenty times. I mean, eighty thousand dollars when I started. RPI, RPI. When I left, RPI was creeping in on eighty. Yeah, it's over eighty now. Over eighty. Ivy, Ivy leagues are up to eighty. Over eighty. You know, and uh, also, you know, you, you, we got to make sure that you get an honest coach, and that's that's a hard one to to pick on, but. I'm going to get somebody who's honest with you on the money, uh, on the, you know, playing, you know, playing time. You know, you you, you got to try to, you want to go to a program, you got to earn it, basically. And that's good. That's a good thing because everybody's going to be working hard for the same goal, which is make the team better. Right. Would you, what are your thoughts on, and I, I have a pretty good idea, I believe, but when it comes to like the stackable money versus like, you know, you're getting more academic money, things like that. Like what, like, you know, there's some people like they'll take less money to say that they're on baseball money versus like the, the, the whole being able to stack or they're getting more academic money than what it's worth. Um, but the, like they want less to say they're on academic, like what, why do you think that is? And like, why, like, why would we not just want to be like, get the best academic package you can possibly get? Well, I mean, I think first of all about the uh, the scholarships. We've had a lot of guys at Siena that played professionally and got didn't get a dime from the athletic program. Well, we haven't only had scholarships for about twenty five years anyway. So, I mean, we we I mean actually less than that. So, most of our my career there was without scholarships playing Division one schools. So, we never really had scholarship money, but when we got it. You know, it was one of those things where what you do know the NCAA says you got to give 25% at the Division One level. So you have to give 25% and then you can, at our place, you know, they'll give you money uh, for obviously academics, uh, need-based money. Uh, you might get money from your state or federal go- federal government tap. You know, it all depends on your on your school and what they'll give. And that's all stack, stack, stack. Um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously you're, you're, your family situation is the key on whether whether you can afford to go to school. I mean, I, I've turned kids away from our school when they had us and uh, an Ivy League. And I've always said to them, hey, it's going to cost you more to go to Ivy League, but I think you might want to make that decision because of the Ivy League's the status of that for your job situation. You know, so there's no money there usually. You know, no money. You're not going to get any merit academic money at all. So, I, you know, we st- we'll stack – Give Scott twenty five percent. Normally, we used to be able to give twenty seven scholarships. Uh, have, have people have twenty seven scholarships, at least twenty five percent on a team. I think it's now it's up to thirty two. I think or something like that because of, of what's going on, COVID and all that stuff. With uh, our rosters went from thirty five to forty. Uh, but um, 
You know, you can get scholarships. See, every school is different, uh, Coach. That's, that's why I don't know. I know we can give – with our athletic scholarships, we can have as much money up to their need as far as need-based aid or merit, merit – well, merit's not countable. So that's at Division One anyway. Academic money doesn't count anymore. It's just basically uh, good money for, for the programs you know, as far as recruiting. But, um, you know, we'll stack. I don't know about other schools. Every school is different. Yeah, just basically your financial background and what, what, how much money you need to go. But that's one of the things you look at at the beginning, the cost of the school. And, you know, you're, they're going to rip off a, a loan right off the off the bat, whether it's a Stafford loan. Usually it's a Stafford loan. And you could be the richest person in the world, get a Stafford loan, if that's what you want to do. Uh, but um, I think all of our kids mostly had Stafford loans. And then off that, we veer off that uh, most of the time with uh, baseball aid, merit aid. Um, if they have good grades, getting good grades is so important. So important with schools like ours, uh, teams in the MAC or, or you know, obviously the Ivies doesn't matter, but in MAC, I mean, it's important the academic component. Uh, it'll get you more money. The better your your grades are, slash standardized test scores, ACT, SAT, uh, the better those scores are. The more money you get, the more money you get. So those are that's important. And depending, every school is different on what the money is. Okay, uh, but you know we've given it at Siena, and that's been a plus as far as getting kids in, you know, to take that academic, athletic, academic, and, and maybe merit or maybe a, a need based, and maybe a, a, a Stafford loan or or app state money, and every every you know every school is different. Now this, you got also taking into consideration if you're a New York resident, your TAP money is not going to go out of state. So if you got TAP in New York, if you go to Massachusetts, for example, or any other state, it's not going to go with you. Uh, you know, if you get a Pell Grant, that will. That's a federal loan. But those are tough to get Pell Grants, okay? And, and you have to be, uh, you know, in real, real need to get a Pell Grant. Uh, so you, you really got to rely on your athletic aid and hopefully merit. That's what I tell our kids. Really work hard on the academic component with your, your standardized test scores and then we'll go off that. And we do a lot. We, our, our people at CNN did a great job in our admissions to financial aid people. They they got you know people accepted quickly uh, way in advance as long as we requested you know on you know, transcripts and so forth and test scores. And then I went there from there, got the uh, financial info from the parents and then basically could run a, you know, an offer to them to come to school. Every school is different. We were quick with that stuff. I don't know how they are now since I left, uh, but, you know, we were quick with that stuff and that's important to get it to you so you can see it and compare with other schools. If that's important, you know, but, you know, every, every school is, I don't know if that's your question, coach, if, about the stacking, uh, you know, with, that's what we do. It's all it's all important, but if you got the money, and the uh, you know and, and the uh, uh, money is not important, you tell a coach that, and they're going to be if they like you as an athlete, they're going to be pretty pumped up about you, you know, because right. you're saving them money probably in the long run, or probably a very quality pitcher, because that's right. the name of the game, and that's where all most of the money goes anyway. The well, I think that the the two big things that you hit on are the one, the grades and being a teacher, you know, this, like the better we tell people all the time, like the better your grades are, like the more doors that'll stay open for you. Like, you know, if you end up as a two, eight student, there's a, a lot of doors that are going to shut on you in the recruiting process because you're a two, eight student. If you're a four O student, there's a lot of doors that'll stay open to you, which gives you more options for a, a potential of being able to find the right fit from an academic standpoint. 
going into you know that process. I think the other, you clear up a, a decent amount of the ambiguity when it comes to some of the scholarship stuff. Um, you know, and I, I you, you nailed it. There's 32 um, that can be on scholarship and 40. So there's going to be eight walk-ons. Um, you know, and I think we always, you know, we we really run into this, and I think this is you know, a, a little uncommon, but people kind of think this, like if you're a walk-on, like you might not necessarily get the same exact shot as you would if you're a scholarship kid. And I, I don't necessarily, like, I know for me coaching division three, it was a, it was a non-issue. And I know, you know, when I coached for you and we had scholarships, that wasn't necessarily a, 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 a factor in writing a lineup it was like, well, this guy's on scholarship and this guy's not. So we're going to write this guy in with the scholarship money in because, you know, he's got money. You know, I, I think the thing that we always try to drive home is like coaches are going to put the best lineup on the field that they feel as though is going to give them the opportunity to win baseball games. Because at the end of the day, like that's what we were paid to do. And you know, it's not, it doesn't necessarily matter who you are, or how much money you have. Like you're, if you're one of the best nine guys that can help you win. Like you're going to find yourself in the lineup and play. Right. And you know, the, uh, there are coaches that uh, go the other way that you're thinking. They they don't look at look at it that way. That's the other thing that we <laughs> try to go to a program where a, pro, a coach will, you know, just say, okay, let's go and roll the ball out. The best nine come up. Doesn't matter who you are. You could be all nine non scholarship kids. Who do or eight now? I mean, non scholarship kids. I mean, that's the way I've always played it. Uh, I've allowed freshmen to play. I always say the best guys are going out there in my mind. Sometimes my mind might be not the same as the, as the player's mind, but we we are looking at everybody and trying to make the program better with what we got. But, yes, most definitely. And in, in our program, it doesn't matter if you're scholarship or non-scholarship, you're all equal once it goes on the field. Uh, in fact, I don't even think of it. I, that's the furthest thing from my mind is that you're a scholarship. I, I forget, actually. So it's it's I looking at the player. You know, is this player – kind of kid that we want to get in there right away. You know, if that's the kid, he's going. He's, he's going to be in. 100%. As I said earlier, we've had a lot of guys signed professionally that were non-scholarship guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, a lot. And, you know, for, especially since the beginning of our career, we didn't have scholarships. Right. You know, got, at least one made the big leagues. You know, we've had five, so one did, and the other four were since we had scholarship money in it. And those guys that had scholarship money didn't get a lot of money. A little bit over to 25% because that's where they were at that time. Then they progressively got better once they got to us, you know, got the opportunity to pitch or hit whatever it was and uh, just grew. I mean, I, if you guys uh, watch this kid, this Brendan uh, White that's playing with the Tigers, he's probably pitching right now. In fact, they always give him an inning or, or two about every third, fourth day. He's a self made guy. You know, he got a little bit of, we didn't work, he was a walk on until the summer just before he was coming to school. And uh, one of our former pitching coaches, uh, who you know, Coach Coach Larson saw and said, Call me up and say, Hey, we might have to give this kid a little bit of money because he's, he's going up a little bit in his velo. Now, when I say up a little bit, he's only up to 83 to 85. Because he was a low eighty guy, and when we did that, and so we said we started looking. Okay, so he's you know something's happening here with him. He's going up, so let's give him a little bit of money to twenty five percent. We did, and now he's in the big leagues. We didn't, didn't give any more. He just stayed with it and just worked really hard and got to the big leagues. And so you know, there's a kid that was going to be coming as a, as basically no money guy. Uh, and that's what the way we looked at him as, but. You know, were things that I saw in him. I saw him in a 
in a in a little camp and throwing his curveball and said, I'm a, as a, as a a tenth grader, I said he could throw that curveball and get people at our level right now. And that's when that Nizvilo wasn't there, but that other pitch was there. That's the other thing. Kids got to understand they don't have to be the next coming of the best ball player in the major leagues, you know, to get in a program. You know, you, as long as you work hard and you and you compete and you shoot up results. If the results come, I mean, if you're a Neil Fryer who pitched for us against, uh, what was it, uh, Dallas Baptist in 2014 against uh, against Dallas Baptist in the, in the regional down at PCU, and he just mowed them down. He's a reliever for us, and he threw nine or ten innings. And he was tough. But he didn't have – yeah. He was yeah. tough. And he didn't have, he didn't have anything big league, uh, you know, big league scouts or, would look at. He wasn't a big leaguer, but that day he was a big leaguer. I mean, he just got people out, and that's important. You know, if you do your job, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna open up the eyes of a of a coach. I think that's a, 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 you know, a little bit of a common misconception in baseball, and you know, we talk about it a lot on here and with people we work with that you know, you only if you're fully funded, you get eleven point seven for now thirty two players. Like there's not a lot of no matter what level you're at, there's not a lot of guys. I mean, I know the NIL stuff is 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 you know a little bit more prevalent now um, than it ever was before. But you know, a lot of the guys that you had were you know who were specifically in the big leagues. But there's a lot of guys who played professional baseball and got drafted out of there that the NIL wasn't even a thing, you know, when they were in college. So you know, I think the misconception that people have is like all these guys that end up playing pro ball, especially out of a place like Siena or Ameris where Andy and I went to, like everybody, all of those guys were like 60, 70, 80% scholarship guys. And that's just not true. Like you can't put together a roster uh, that is going to be talented and competitive by throwing, you know, 60, 70, 80% at eight guys and thinking that you're going to be competitive. The vast majority of people are going to be in that 25, 30% range from a scholarship standpoint at the college level, like there, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, there's just know, that uh, misconception out there. Yeah. We, uh, I pro- when it was 27, I don't think the most we ever had was uh, kids on, on money as, as 17. Uh, and I had a lot of walk-ons and I had an administrator tell me, says, yeah, we give you, so you get bringing all these walk-ons on there and they're all starting for you. We might as well take the scholarship money away because, you, you know, you're just you're doing better with the walk-ons. For some reason, we've always had a lot of good walk-on guys that have made it for themselves and done a great job for us. And so I, don't ask me why we only had that many scholarship guys. It just happened. You know, you go out there and you see this guy and, you know, uh, he's doing really well and you start talking to him and the kid just wants to come. You know, he's I'll pay my way to come and you go, OK. And then he becomes a really good player for you. But he's a non-scholarship guy. Yeah, there's not there's not as much money as the night was a 90 something that the football gets full scholarships. You know, baseball, it gets really manhandled as far as the NCAA is concerned. And one of these days they are going to wake up and and uh, shake it up a little bit. OK, because I think it's the number one revenue uh, school uh, other than football. Uh Based at the uh, their tournaments at the end, uh, so I, I think uh, I think that uh, it, it, most people think it's. I know that for a fact they think there's tons of money out there, but there really isn't. Eleven point seven out of forty guys. I mean, let's round that off to twelve full scholarships out of forty guys doesn't jive. So you're only getting guys on parts. You get a part here, part there, and you try to stack if you can. If not, then parents got to figure it out. 
with with their with their child and what they're going to do regarding loans and things. And it's tough because loans can handle you at the end. They can stack up on you. But if you go into a school that's got what you want and you're going to get yourself a good job out of it, in the end, you know, you'll take care of your loans and you'll be fine. Um, you know, we all did. I I might have had a $1,000 loan or something. I think when I went to school, state tuition was free. So <laughs> all I had to pay a little bit is where to live. So well, that wasn't very much, but today it's a lot, lot more money. I understand, it, especially when, like we said, some schools are up to eighty thousand dollars now. It's a, it's a big. Uh, eh. Hey, you know what? And the other thing is, junior if money's an issue, junior college is there. It's always there too as an option. You know, there's a lot of kids going that route because of the money. It's all financial because in the end, you stay a year, stay two years. You know, still going to be recruitable. You know, I mean, maybe even more so because you should be a little bit more experienced depending on the program you went to. So that's the other option. That's a good option. So, you know, my yeah, daughter we, went to a junior college. She loved it. We talk about JUCOs, that, you know, especially on the podcast. So, you know, I think some people, you know, kind of look down their nose at, at JUCO baseball in the sense of like it's it's 13th grade. Um, and that's just not the case, you know, and Andy has talked about this where, you know, you go across some of the, the Arkansas and LSU and Florida, like you go to across some of those rosters, like they're loaded with Juco guys, which would then lead you to believe that when you're seeing a lot of the same Juco's pop up, like they're really good programs. If all these guys are going to, you know, top end division one schools and like, they also filter into other division one and division two schools, like the competition there has to be pretty good. And I think, you know, to your point, like there's, you could end up at a JUCO and I, you know, I, I know this because we do this now, like you get 14, I think you get 14 games in the fall and 56 in the spring, you know, so you're, you're at 70 games played, you know, you could be at 140 games by the time you're a sophomore, like you finish your sophomore year, you're likely going to be further ahead than a lot of other sophomores in the country that went to a four-year school who might not be playing because they're competing against, you know, older guys and just aren't there yet. You know, so you, are now recruitable at probably a higher level than you were coming out of high school because you've, you have 40 games, 140 games at the college level, you know, being able to play and develop like that, there's, you know, there's not really a lot out there that is going to allow you to do that unless you're setting foot on campus and really getting into that type of situation and playing right away. You know, so it's, it's a great, and financially it's a phenomenal situation. Like it's not going to be that much money for you to be able to go play at a junior college, and then you can develop and and probably end up in a little bit of a better spot than you might otherwise would have if you pulled the trigger on maybe a school that you didn't really want to go to, you know, and then you don't develop, and then we're back into the cycle of transfers and everything else. Yeah, I think I haven't heard. Is it, I mean, I haven't looked at it in two years. In the portal, are J- junior college kids in portal? Not, I don't believe so. Not technically, no. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if they can, then but they're going to definitely I've, be snagged. If they're good, they're going to snag it. They have done a great job at, at the JC level. Saved a lot of money, you know, uh, played, uh, you know, in, in, in that process, in that process, you're going to be seen. Uh, but again, you got to pick the right junior college. You don't want to go, you know, an East overshoe someplace where nobody's going to see you. And it's going to, you know, you're going to, you're not going to play, you know, many games right. because you're going to be snowed out or or whatever, and uh, that's not a good thing either. Um, and you want a good, you know, a good schedule as well. The schedule is so important, I think, so important to be playing a good schedule. And I say that, and, and people, I say, well, you know, Division Three, no, no that, 
Division three still, those quality schools will still have good schedules. Still, they're, they're obviously forced to stay in the leagues, most of them. But outside of leagues, if the coach has done his due diligence, he's got himself playing some of the best of his area that are not in his conference or league. You know, so, I mean, those schedules are pretty good. There are a lot of junior college or a lot of Division three schools that I always said are pretty good that, that I wouldn't want to play them. They're that good. So um, that's the other thing. You got to make sure you you pick the proper division three, as you may not play there either. So you got to you got to be careful with that too, because some of them really bring them in a lot of kids, and which is good. And it rolls the ball out. It makes the program better. But some guys aren't going to make it if they bring 70, 80 kids in, you know, to try out for a particular, you know, maybe thirty man squad. I don't know what the roster sizes are. Division three, uh, but that plus. You know, the good thing about Division Three is, I think sometimes, I know they haven't played as many games, but they get an opportunity to, to play, grow in the fall because of that. I know they're limited in time, I guess, I think, in the fall, but the fact of the matter is they can still grow in the fall. You know, they show the coach what they can do for the spring. Same thing with all the other divisions, too, as well. Uh, but, you know, Division Three, that's helpful, too, as well. Yeah, I mean, we talk to families all the time, like sometimes – you know, when you're getting recruited by Division three schools and they they want the Division one name tag and and bumper sticker and such, and it's like you know, there's some Division three schools out there that are can get into a, a Division one conference and hold their own. I'm not saying that they're going to run the table and be you know top three, but there's some Division three schools out there that you put them into some Division one conferences, like they're they'll be middle of the pack and be pretty competitive. Um, you know, and I, I think it's eye opening to people um, how how competitive division three baseball is, how competitive division two baseball is. You know, I, I think, you know, we talk about this all the time and you touched on it, like the ability now to actually go see, or at least just watch baseball at the collegiate level is bigger and more widespread than it's ever been in my lifetime. And I, I'm sure you feel like you can flip on ESPN plus and you can watch Sienna games. You can watch Florida. You can watch, the SEC, the ACC, you can watch the MAC, you, the, you can watch the Ivy League. Like you can watch a ton of Division One baseball games. Um, you know, and a lot of Division Twos and Threes stream their games. You know, and I think the the other thing is like depending on where you live, like you can physically go see. If you live in the Northeast specifically, there's a lot of good college baseball that you can just go watch. You know, if you live in the Capital District where I grew up, where you live some of the year, um, you know, you have, you have Siena, you have UAlbany, you have RPI, you have Union, you have Skidmore, you have St. Rose, you have Hudson Valley. So you just hit all three divisions plus Juco and Russell Sage is the other one where my other former boss is an assistant. Um, but you have, I mean, you have division three, division two, division one and Juco baseball that you can go watch literally in the capital district. So like they're like, you should if you aspire to play college baseball, you can find a Saturday or a Sunday to go watch a game and see what it looks like at that level. Like, see what it looks like when Siena and Marist are playing. See what it looks like when you Albany and Stony Brook, well, not Stony Brook anymore, but you Albany and Maine play or Bryant and you Albany. Um, see what it looks like when U of R and RPI and, you know, Skidmore and Clarkson play. Like, what does that look like? Because there's physical kids and, really good baseball being played at those levels that you might kind of open your eyes like, wow, these kids are actually pretty good. I need to step my game up in order to kind of be able to, to be in this same discussion with these types of players. 
Well, I, you know, I've had a lot of kids over the, over the decades come in to visit us, and I will always bring that up. You don't have to go to a Division One to be seen. If you're good, you will be seen at any level, any level. And so if Siena is not the place for you or any other Division One, fine. Division Two, Division Three, doesn't matter. Fact is, play. You want to play, and and so you don't need to be at a Division One. Everybody's into that because you know you see it on TV and you hear about it, and the big leagues guys coming up. That's great. That's okay. But you're thinking about yourself and and your 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 professional career possibly down the road. You need to be playing, and you will be seeked out by those scouts. They'll see you. Names get around quick when somebody's very good, and uh, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. And I tell kids that when they come. I say, look at, you know, don't shy away from a Division three or a Division two. I mean, don't shy away. Now, there's not a lot of Division twos. That's the only problem with Division twos. But there's a lot of Division threes in this country, a lot. I mean, there's tons and tons of Division threes. And, you know, same same process. Win your league, division, go on to a regional, go on to a World Series. Same process, and everything's the same. You know, and that's notoriety. That's a lot of fun. They'd be going to those tournaments no matter what level you're at. So, and you're getting a good academics, hopefully, as well, because you've decided to focus on that when you're picking your school, which to me, that's important. You know, like you say, being a former educator. The- I mean, you're, you're seeing. If you're watching college baseball the last couple of years, because of the transfer portal, you're seeing a lot of these Division three players end up on Division one rosters and go and have a ton of success. And I think that speaks to – I think that's opened some people's eyes to like, oh, wait a minute, that kid was pitching at Babson last year, and now he's starting on the weekend for Boston College in the ACC. Babson must be pretty good. Or Wheaton, or you know, name whatever Division three school there is. I mean, I know Joe Reyna up at Rochester's got a couple arms that are absolutely electric, but that's the type of baseball that's being played at the Division three level, and it gets overlooked for exactly the reasons that you mentioned, Coach. And you know, it's there's some really talented kids down there, and the the level of play has risen for numerous reasons. And we've talked about this, but kids are stronger; they play more baseball. Um, and it's harder to play college baseball now than it is at any point, I would think. And finding that place where you have an opportunity to to compete and be a part of something, I think it, it, it should be a really big factor for people when they're making decisions. Well, they did. They went to the Division Three and they played a lot. Played a lot, or you know, and if not all the time, a lot. And the fact of the matter is, you're right. I, I must have contacted at least 20 Division threes last year to try to bring them in for I mean, the year before for last year, and came close to one who went to another Northeast school, and he was good, very good, and they're good. I mean, I, Manhattan had a lefty pitcher a few years ago, and six foot seven, he lights out, and he played professionally. You know, he got his opportunity. One of the good things too, I think, if you're looking for a school, you want to hopefully. Make sure that it has a grad grad program because that's helpful uh, to go to a school where there's a grad a grad program so you can stay where you are, you know, versus going to another school for that that extra year if you have have that extra year available to you. Um, but the grad schools have been really important lately. I'm sure it's going to calm down a little bit where you got your four. That's going to be it. Uh, so, but if you get hurt and you got that fifth year. And you got that fifth year. You didn't play your freshman year at all. They redshirt you. You got that fifth year versus having to leave to go to another school. And a lot of colleges at Division One level don't have grad schools. I mean, so I know the Ivies, they got grad schools. But if you go to grad school at the Ivy League, you can't play baseball. 
So a lot of the Ivy Leagues go on to other schools, you know, because they can't, at the Ivies they they have an Ivy League rule that they won't they can't play baseball if they're if they're going for their master's programs, you know. So you're right, that's important. Um, you know, it's it's a tough uh, picking the schools is extremely difficult, and I know it's uh, it gets people really nervous. They just got to look at making sure that money's not the big deal, the scholarship. That you get one, yeah, okay, but that's not the deal. I'm looking at that school for me academically and the fit financially slash uh, distance wise. I know financial ties in with the academic, with the you know your your grants and so forth, but that can be given to you ahead of time by our levels. Unfortunately, Division three, no scholarships. You got to go with what they what they give you uh, as far as your merit awards, need based money and so forth. Uh, but as far as the Division twos and Division ones, there could be scholarship money involved. Could be I say because again, not everybody's on scholarship, and uh, you know start the process early. Get in touch with coaches. Let them know who you are. Let them know where you're going to be. You know, you're who you're playing for. Uh, they, you know, I've had I've had a couple of guys that have really pounded me with emails over the years, and I, you know, and I didn't think I would ever be keeping them because of what my assistant coaches have said. And I, t- I tell you what, they they came. Some of them came and were really really good players. They captains, and one got on the uh, draft list but didn't get drafted. Coming, I, I, I had a coach assistant coach say, "Look, coach, he can't play here. Uh, you know, could you get him off my back?" I got him off his back. He could, then he was on my back, which was good. He he tore he wore me down. I said, All right, "You come on, come on. We'll, we'll have a workout. We'll try out." I got to give you a trial. I came in weak, weak, weak. But, you know, you saw some tools there with the weakness. You said, you know what? He gets a little stronger. He did. Ended up being a captain, starter for three years uh, as a catcher and uh, almost played, you know, played professionally. You know, so uh, it's, it's so important. It's a tough, it's a tough thing, uh, road to hall with with the recruiting process. But I, I tell them to kind of enjoy it. You know what I mean? Uh, enjoy going, seeing the schools, getting tours of campus, you know, talking with, with the uh, athletes, student, talking with students, talking with the student athletes, and uh, talking with the coaches, especially if you can get out to one of their camps. That's important. But then again, you want to be careful with the camps because if you're going to go to a Power 5 camp, you're going to be there with about three, 400 other kids, which isn't a good thing. You want to get the smallness. And the Maris and the Siennas, we, we usually run small camps. Uh, I think we do anyway. I don't, I, well, I don't know how Coach, Coach Jerzynski is going to be now, but I did. always had small camps and, and had my whole staff there. That's the other thing. You know, the host staff probably should be there so you can see everybody, especially if you're a pitcher. You want to see that pitching coach. You want to meet that guy. You want to meet the head coach and the pitching coach. Yeah, I mean, I think you learn a lot coaching when you get to do those things too. Um, the who I'm curious before I have, before we get into this, who was that catcher? Because I think I know who it was that you were just talking about. Who was that catcher you were just talking about? Phil Madonna. Ah, I knew it. I was all over that kid after your camp. I was like, this kid's going to come to RPI. This kid's unbelievable. Two days later, you called me. You're like, yeah, he's coming to RPI. He's coming to Siena. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I knew knew it was that kid. Yeah. He he just, uh, he's from near Pittsburgh and long haul. 
And uh, he, he good, kept on after us, after us, all coaches on the road. And, and then coaches didn't think he could be. And I, he wore me down. I think I didn't think he made a decision until June of his senior year that to come to. Well, I, his decision, he wanted to come, was just me telling him to come. Then finally, uh, one last email, I, or last call, I said, Phil, okay, you wore me down. Let's go. You're coming. All right, we'll give you, we'll give you, we have a one-day trout. We'll see from there. We had a the one-day trout. And he was okay. His tools were okay. Stru- weak. He's only five foot, what, seven? Five foot seven, uh, but ended up Boy. starting for three years. Got bigger, stronger. Arm got better, hit better. I'm telling you, he was on a, he was on a draft list. He was put in by a Red Sox scout and didn't get drafted, uh, which is okay because he was that good though. He was good enough to get drafted, and um, obviously he's got a great job right now working. We stay in touch once in a while, and uh, but it was him, self made, and you know just kept after me. But you gotta you gotta let the coaches know who you are, uh, and. Uh, Give them your schedules and let them know when you're playing because coaches are pulled in so many different directions. So many kids, kids get frustrated because you're not calling them every day or, you know, and, and, and that's, that's going to happen because we got, we are stretching so many directions with just a limited number of coaches at our level. There's four division two. They probably have 20 and to three, 20. I don't have any coaches they got, but we only have four. So, you know, we're pulled in, in the old day, in the old days, just a couple of years ago, you know, we, we could only recruit with three. Uh, well, up to last year, I think, and now we got four that can recruit. Right. So it was only three at the time. So we couldn't stay in touch with every kid. It's very difficult to do that, especially returning emails. We return an email with a packet, an individual packet, and after that, we hope to see, is this kid going to come back at us? Who are the kids that are coming back at us? Who's keeping us informed? Those are the kids we got to look at if they're talented. Okay. And if they're not telling me, we try to tell them that, you know, and give them direction. I always say, hey, you need help. Let me know. You know, give me a call. Let me know. I'll, I'll try to get you to steer in the right direction, you know, if it's not going to be our place. Um, you know, I think the one thing that obviously shines through in, in this discussion that we're having, but I think um, what I know and what a, a lot of us who worked for you know is how much you really enjoy coaching, not only the players, but the coaches. Um, And I would be remiss to everybody who listens to this podcast that I've talked about you and the people we've had on that we're, you know, we share this kind of um, love for, for what you go through. Um, But if you could for a sec, because I know how much it means to me and how much it means to everyone else. Like what, what is it that like continually drove you from like to, to, to legitimately like help coaches in this business. Like I, it's not something that I find, I found, um, to be the norm. Um, you know, but the, 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 what you've done and the people that have coached under you. And I mean, I, I will, I'll name a handful, but like between me and Jimmy and Rob Datoma and Billy at wake, um, Pete, who's with the twins, um, I'm missing a lot there. Steve Atkins is still coaching. Mike Keller still coaching. Um, there's, there's a ton of dudes who are still doing this and and it's a lot of what we learned. We learned with you. And I I think, you know, I'm forever grateful and indebted to you for it, but I, you know, I, I like, what is it that drives you to, to legitimately help other coaches stay in this game? uh, You know, maybe not as long as you have, but to, to, to make it a career because, you know, Rob talked about it last week and I, I've said this, like I would, I was ready to walk away after I left coaching with you. And I, I'm glad I didn't because I ended up having another, you know, 10 years, if not 12 years coaching college baseball. So, um, you know, like what is it that, that drives you to, 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 to find that in people to get them to do it? 
think uh, I, I kind of, well, first of all, we've got 26 guys out there. There's a lot of them still coaching at different levels. Uh, head coaches, assistant coaches, mostly head coaches. And they're doing a great job. And I stay in touch with a lot of them. A lot of them. In fact, with most of them. Uh, I I kind of cheated a little bit. Uh, I was a school teacher for 34 years. So in a school teacher, right from the get-go, I think maybe my second year, I must have did a good job because my department chairman gave me a student teacher. And then from that point on, I was getting student teachers every year uh, to the point where one time I had three, stu- three student teachers. Well, that's three quarters of a year. So I had a lot of student teachers. And what I did with student teachers is what I did with coaches. You know, once I, I figure out this is the guy we need to bring into the program, they're all your age. They're all young guys, you know, and uh, so most of them have never coached before or had limited coaching experience. So I treat them like I treat my student teachers. And when I talk to my student teacher, I said, OK, get ready because you're going to be dumped right into it. You're jumping in the fire and I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you some pointers. But we're going to talk about after your lessons and so forth. You know, maybe you want to do this this way or that way and so forth. So I think I, I had a little help being a, being a a school teacher having student teachers and I treat them the same way. I threw them in and said, let's go. Show me what you got. Relax. Just do the best you can. These are your guys. You got the hitters. You got the pitchers. You got the defense. Go for it. And that's that's what I've done from day one. Okay. Except when I was lacrosse, because I think I was the only guy. I was the only lacrosse coach. So uh but with the baseball, I've done that from the get-go. So let's go and do it. And you know what? I think in the process of of the coaches uh looking at their backgrounds and so forth, that they, you know, really came from good good programs. And also, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. I think with the, there have been so many interviews with uh, coaches and, and student teachers and so forth, and their supervising teachers. I kind of, kind of have a head start when I can read into people where they're going to work hard. They're going to be good people. They're going to be good coaches, good people, good, good with the kids, and try to get the most out of it and put the time in. I mean, it just, it just, I guess in me, I make mistakes just like everybody else. But I don't think I made too many mistakes over the decades. You know, a couple, two, three here, or there, but most. Mostly, mostly everybody like yourself really worked really hard, enjoyed it, loved it, um, you know, breathed it. That's what we did, you know, you know, taking our 21-hour trips, you know, you, you kind of enjoyed that. You could talk a lot. But, um, no, I think I got the head start. I treated them like student teachers and let them go, let them see what they could do. And, you know, it's all critiquing. And, and, and when my critiquing was more like, you know, if I don't say anything, you're doing everything good. You know, as far as I want anyway. And right. uh, but, you know, I always make suggestions. Hey, you might want to this drill. You might want to do this. Hey, this pitcher's doing this. Maybe you might want to try this a little bit. Maybe move them around that rubber a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. So just giving little simple suggestions. But that's why I do with my student teachers, too. You know, same thing. Hey, you might want to move around the room a little bit. You know, you got to know where everybody is, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, but I, I treated coaches the same way. And, uh, you know, I think I think the fact, Coach, is – you know, you know, I get in very early. I did get in very, very early in the morning and left late at night. So I put, you know, you know, 17, 18 hour days in easily. But people might say, well, that's crazy. Well, yeah, maybe for somebody else. But for me, I, I wanted to be there because I turned it around. I came back the next few hours later. I mean, there are times that I went nonstop. I went two days straight. And it wasn't like I, that's because I wanted to do it because I loved what I was doing. And I think when you when you're a, a young coach, if you get a coach above you that you know that's gonna is there those hours, I think if you figured out that he's gotta love what he's doing. So hey, you know what? I'm not gonna be like him. Obviously, I'm gonna he's gotta be a little crazy, but the fact of the matter, he loves what he's doing. I'm not crazy because I love to do it. And 
and and guys like yourself and you know all these other guys have stayed in the, in the game and I really love that that guys have stayed in the game because I love the game and I tell you can talk about our, our players you know uh, every year more than one time hundred times hey do you love the game you love the game you'd rather be on your phone you'd rather be with your girlfriend whatever or do you love the game because I love the game that was my priority and I think once you do that uh, it's great because I have no hobbies. This is my hobby, or it was my hobby. Well, actually, it's still, still my hobby. Still I'm still is. involved with it, still working with assistant coaches, trying to get them the next job and other things that I'm doing, you know, tackling my baseball cards. <laughs> They're all baseball, trying to get rid of those things. But, uh, you know, I, I think the student the student teaching helped me a lot. And that, you know, I'm a little different. I, I When I was a young kid, I didn't do, I mean, I lived, grew up in a city. So we couldn't play football in the city when we were young, you know, eight, nine, whatever. And we couldn't play football, you know. Uh, believe it or not, where I live, we didn't have a basketball coach. We didn't play much basketball. In fact, I don't think I played any. Maybe a little bit where my school was, my elementary school. But other than that, believe it or not, it was all softball. Played a lot of softball. Started softball as a seven-year-old. Did not get into Little League until I was 10. But from seven, seven years old on, I was always playing well, I call softball baseball because it's baseball, but it's a bigger ball. So, it's a, you know, but, you know, softball, we played softball seven, eight, nine years. In fact, I'm giving people right now that have kids, they ask me what to do to help the kid hit. I say, hey, let's play softball. Because I think that helped me get the bigger ball, get a little confidence at the beginning of my career as a kid. I still remember the first kid that I got as a seven-year-old. I got a triple, first hit, hit good, got to third base. I went, ooh, man. That felt pretty good. I, I say this. I was not a guy I could, like it was like it was yesterday. I can still say it. that felt. I said to myself, that felt pretty good. I, I got I to do that again. And then all of a sudden, you start hitting, and you and you, you get better. I don't know. The ball was bigger, whatever. But we didn't have a lot of places to go to play baseball in the city. So you know, you you really have to to love it. I I started a little league as an eleven year old. I, I formed a little league in Colony myself, where in my neighborhood of four teams, I went and got four sponsors, got them to give us t-shirts, you know, ba uh, baseballs, and I made a schedule up. I got three other kids to be managers of their teams. They went out and we got their players. I got my players, and I set up a schedule as an eleven-year-old. Tell me what eleven-year-old ever did that? Not, not at all. What? So I'm a little different, I think, when it comes comes to this game, to playing to your eighty years old or coaching to your eighty years old, not playing. The culture to your 80 years old. So uh, I started out early and I kept going with it. Um, you know, and, and the other thing I had in my favor, which unfortunately I think could do my sport if they don't watch out, is I had a minor league team in, in the city of Schenectady that I went to see games when I wasn't playing Little League or playing Babe Ruth League. I went to see the games with my dad, who had a season one season ticket, got me there, forced me to keep score. Forced me to keep score. Forced me to watch the game. I wasn't running around. I was watching the game. That was key. And I went to a lot of games. But those games, plus playing my games in my neighborhood of softball, believe it or not, up till up till 10, 10 years old, I went to the Little League. And from then on, we just, you know, progressed. Whatever. You go from Little League to Babe Ruth League to, you know, American Legion slash Connie. Well, I played American Legion. And then into, you know, college, high school, college, and so forth. So, but you gotta you gotta love the game. You gotta love the game. And college and the coaches are the same way. I mean, uh, hopefully they love the game. I know things are this is a little different today, 
blowing people in different directions. That's why I said I hope our game's not in trouble with with the eliminating all these minor league teams by this commissioner, uh, who's only out for his rear end, unfortunately. Uh, trying, you know, trying to protect these uh, owners who don't know their left from their right. Uh, so it's unfortunately hurting the game. Uh, and I just I hope it doesn't go under. I, I really am a little concerned about it. You know, draft rounds going back. They want they wanted to do the football model. And, uh, you know, the minor league teams are the ones that because you're not cultivating young kids. Cause that's the way I was cultivated. I was cu- cultivated through the Schenectady Blue Jays, a Philadelphia Philly minor league team. Coach knows that was my team forever mm-hmm. until they got Bryce Harper. Then I disowned them. All right. Because I said no ownership group. Gets one player and signs him for three hundred million dollars. One hitter, maybe the Otani guy. I don't know. I haven't seen him play. But but Bryce Harper's not the guy. He's not the guy. Pitchers, let me give you. I'll take you. Give me ten pitchers for what he got. Because pitchers the name of the game. Oh, that's an, that's an incredible. The the eleven year old starting the little league is that might be the best content we've had on the podcast. That's an absolutely incredible story. Absolutely. Well, I had. There was th- I was in three little leagues at the same time. I was in the regular little league. That's, you know, the progressive to Williamsport. We had a grasshopper league, which we called in the city of Schenectady on weekends in Central Park. So I played there. We rode my bicycle there. It was all bicycle. There was no no, no parents. Did all this by bicycle. So the Williamsport, the bicycle, and this league I, I, I uh, formed. And we played that for two years. Two years till I got older. Till I was left thirteen, and I got a Babe Ruth thing, so I, I kind of folded. But you know, I did. That's because I wanted to play play baseball. I wanted to play as much as I can. So, high school kids going to college, you want to play as much as you can. Get to a spot. That's that's where you can play. Oh, you're gonna. That's, I, the, I, I, that's I, where you I, guys. That's where you guys come in. That's where we come in. <laughs> that, you, you you just to elaborate yeah. a little. The last thing I'll ask you is like, what would be your you know, what, like, what are the top things that you would give advice to if someone came and said, Hey, coach Rossi, like, what do I need to do in order to play college baseball? Like what, like, what would your advice be to them for that? Well, again, going back to the, assuming academics are okay. Uh, ability to, somebody's got to point them in the right direction with their ability level. You know, I, I, in the old days, or not the old days, right up to the end, I said, "Hey, you got a scout in your area? Let him take a look at you and see, you know, where, you know, where you are as far as he's concerned right now." That doesn't mean that's going to be end all. But right now, does he know any programs that are good for you? You got to get in the right program, okay? So I think you have to visit the school. You have to correspond with the coach. You have to go to their camps if they have any uh, at that school, okay? Assuming it's not a huge one, because if you're going to go to, you know, the pack power five conferences, those camps are going to be out of sight. So just a you know the lower level division ones, twos, threes, you know division three is three. There's no low level. But go to those camps on campus so you can see the coaches and everybody together at one time. Make sure you make sure you're prompt and or you know with your filing, you know, getting transcripts in. Quickness is important to coaches. Getting your transcripts in, getting your test scores in if they are, um, you know, getting your your uh, your coaches, I don't know, your your high school coach and your summer coach to send in a little reference stuff for you. Um, you know, I don't. I looked at that stuff, but believe it or not, what I always did was not always looked. I looked at what high school coach said, looked at what the uh, summer coach said, but in 
in the high school end of it, I went to the coaches, the other teams, the head coaches, and say, hey, what do you think of Johnny Jones from whatever school? What does he say about the kid? So I just didn't go by what their coach said. So, you know, you, you sometimes head coaches are a little overboard on what they say about kids. It's unfortunate, but it's, it's, just, it's just the way they are. And, you know, they probably don't know what they're doing but in that, but I always try to Go in the background, start digging. All right, but make sure you're prompt with everything. Make sure whatever the coach wants you to do, you do. Um, stay in touch with him. Let him know who you are. Get a little resume together. Get some videos together. Send it to him. Don't worry about it. Doesn't get back to you. You know, a couple of weeks later, you will know coach you get a chance to see that. I don't want to. I don't want to bust on you. You know, I don't. I want to get. You know, be a. You know. A past. Uh, let me know. Let me know what you think. Because you know, if this is not a place that you think I can go at, let me know. I'd like to know that so I can go in a different direction, and um, you know, be a little persistent, but not a pain when you're when you're letting them know. Emails are good. Calls are tough because coaches, you know, may not pick up on purpose because they're so busy, especially when they got things going on during the day. You know, meetings, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, most most. Uh, uh, Kids in high school don't know that head college coaches and their assistants are so busy during the day with meetings on the campuses and so forth. And, and they've got to go to this meeting about this and that. It's not just a department meeting. It could be something else that the, you know, the human resources call or the president's call or the admissions call, and you're required to go to it. So just don't get frustrated if they don't get back to you. Uh, but if it's a long, lengthy time, then, you know, there may not be interest there. Keep the other people alive. You've got to have other options of other people. You know, I told my, I don't, you wouldn't do this today probably, but I told my son who was a pretty good baseball player, but he got hurt his uh, junior or senior year in high school and uh, playing soccer. And that's when he was going to go to school for baseball. And I told him he could pick a school of his choice, uh, pick a, a state school, school of my choice, and a junior college in our state so that he would all, he, when he fell back on things, when things ended out, he was going to go someplace. And so he ended up going to the state school in state, but he was hurt and he couldn't play anyway. So, but he did get a good education and he's using it. So that's the important thing. No, that's I think great. that helps you. I don't know. There's so many things to it. No, I, I mean, I think that that's as, as succinct as it's going to get in a process that I, I think, you know, when is there's so many layers to it that, you know, we try to, we try to make it as layman's term as possible for anybody, but you know, it's, as you know, and Andy knows, and I do like, this is a, uh, th this process is going to be different for everybody, but if you can have those things that are going to set you up, it's a plan that you can have that where you're going to be able to find success in, in being able to be in contact with coaches and go to camps and get to campus and see what it feels like and have all your stuff in line so that if they do like you and they want more, they want, you know, they want to move like, yeah, I have my official transcript and I have this and I have that, like, here we go. Like I can get all this stuff done now. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes it ends up being like, well, I, I need to, you know, get it for my teacher, which turns into another two or three weeks. Um, you know, but having all that stuff in line, I, I think is, you know, paramount for people to be able to find success in the recruiting process. Um, right. Nowadays, and, you know, you don't have, you don't have to go big. You don't have to go big. Big is not the answer, uh, you know, because you go big, and the first year you're there, and you play a little bit. Next year they got another recruiting class in when you went big, and you might be moved down that ladder to maybe out. So you got to be careful about going big. And the other thing is, I think, I mean, you guys have got it. You guys have played Division One ball, but you know, coach who coach in Division Three. 
Well, did both get a Division Three? I don't, I don't know. Good. Yeah. So you yeah. you got it. You guys got you know a lot of knowledge that you know if anybody any of these kids are listening to your podcast today, they got to lock into you because you guys know. You guys know. You can look at them and say, you know what? Okay, I, I don't know if you want to hear this, but we think you're a Division Three guy. You know, I mean, we don't want you to waste your time. You know, or go to a place that you're going to be frustrated and you're not going to have to transfer, which is a pain because you lose credit. It's going to cost you money down the road. So uh, they should, these people should be locking in you guys because you guys know, because you've been played Division One baseball, coach at Division One and or three or to both. And uh, you guys have knowledge to help these people. I mean, I think this is a good, this, this kind of podcast is good uh, for you guys to help these people, people who should be listening. To this, wait. Okay, all right. This is pretty good. I got some these these guys that know what they're doing, and uh, you know I vouch for you guys all the way on something on this stuff. You're the best. Um, well, you're Robert, the best. I wish I had your back. I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, well, we'll wrap it there. I know. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know. Um, I know Val's probably. I got to get up in a couple hours anyway, so don't. Worry I know about Val, Val's probably looking for you to. You know, you guys probably probably interrupted dinner, so please apologize to her. I miss her. Um, uh, you know, but thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, you know, I I don't think really words can put into. I've said this in a, a before on here, and I'll say it again. Like I'm forever indebted to you, and you're one of my mentors. I love you to death, and I I'm so happy that you were able to join us tonight and and talk about all this stuff um, on this podcast with us. So thank you so much. Yes, and thank you. I appreciate the words, and good luck, you guys. Uh, give them hell on a recruiting trail, will you? Thanks, coach. Okay. Appreciate right. you. Take it easy. Thank you. We'll see you. Have a good one.